All right. Here they come. Okay, we just sang happy birthday to Miss Karen. Here comes another George Washington. Okay. And uh, y'all help him get the dollar in there and teach and give to the church. And we think, what is happy, what is a birthday about? Anything? What is a birthday? Percy, what's a birthday? When you have fun? Well, what are you celebrating on your birthday? What is it? What is a birthday? When you were born. That's right. Okay. Can anybody tell me to you, to y'all, what is old? Name an age that's old. 50? 80? What else is old? Patrick, what's old? 100, yes. That would, that would definitely be old. Boyd, what is old? But there's nobody in here 2,000 years old. There's nobody in here a hundred, so y'all, these some of these have hope, you know. <laughs> They're not that old yet, so uh, that's when you have old. Yes, sir. What's old? A thousand. Yes, I think. And used to people did live a long time. All right. Now we have birthdays, and yesterday I found out that it was Karen's brother's spiritual birthday. Because it, see, in John chapter 3, Jesus said, in order to get to heaven, you must be born again. In other words, have a spiritual birthday. In other words, it's when you, how do you get born again? Ask Jesus Christ to save you. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so that's being saved if you ever want to talk to your parent or myself or Brother Trey or any of your Sunday school teachers about that, be sure and ask them about getting saved if you haven't done that. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Dear Jesus, thank you so very much for our spiritual birthdays. Life is very short, but whenever we're born again, we can live with you forever. And thank you very much for loving us to give us a home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all walk. Miss Betty Wells has a special this morning. There are decisions I can't make on my own. And there are trials I can't face all alone. But you said you'd walk with me down life's troubled road. And you said, come unto me and I'll bear your heavy load. I need you more today than I did yesterday. Mountains are higher, rivers are wider. I need you more today than I did yesterday. Help me remember I need you more today. When I wake up in the morning and
and I fear to face the day. Let me feel your gentle hand leading the way. Yesterday has come and gone with those trials far behind. But I'm ever learning, Lord, and every day I find I need you more today than I did yesterday. Mountains are higher, rivers are wider. I need you more today than I did yesterday. Help me remember I need you more today. Help me remember I need you more today. Thank you, Miss Betty. And we definitely do need the Lord. And someone was asking about my polka-dotted tie. It's basketballs, okay? Not polka dots, but that's from a distance. That may be what it looks like. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel. I see the Microsoft Word copy and paste got a hold of that outline. <laughs> and uh, kind of got things shifted over. I know how... I, I use that program so very much, and sometimes it has a mind of its own. You go to copying and pasting things. Happy birthday, Karen. I put that in that outline just for my wife. Big four O, And she got there in the blink of an eye, and that is the title. And really and truly, I was thinking about this as really just a, a thought, not really I wanting to direct it to my wife's 40th birthday because, you know, uh, there's there's phases in life. I was uh, sharing earlier with uh, Brother Jim, Miss Joyce, about how life flies by. We were just talking about different things and the young people's drive for aluminum cans and put a plug in for that uh, and get metal and stuff before they go to Bog Springs. Some of them are on the spring break trip, but it seems like I remember summers used to be forever. I mean, summers would just be, my goodness, I I had long adventures during my summer. I remember especially whenever my mom was still single, and we were kind of just latchkey kids, me and my sister, and I just did whatever I wanted to do, and of course, my uh, my grand granny and granddad were around they checked in on us from time to time i'd ride my bicycle all over town and stop at local businesses and run in and see mr is uh owns a hardware store mr boots was his name and can i get a drink of water and just run it all over town freedom back then just didn't worry about anything but summers lasted forever now summer is a blink Summer is just, and the older you get, the faster it goes. 
And there's a couple of scriptures. One that uh, should have been, I didn't type it in, it's my fault. I didn't type it in the introduction. But what I want you to do is just hold a finger here at 1 Samuel chapter 20. And then go also to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's right after Psalms, Proverbs, and those books. Okay? Just right after that, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And verses, well, probably 1 through 3 also. So we've got two passages, 1 through 3. And that is 1 Samuel 20, verses 1 through 3, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Now, <clears throat> David was talking with Jonathan, and he was just expressing about, he was living life on the edge, so to speak, running from his daddy. Talking about King Saul wanted to kill him. And uh, it says in 1 Samuel chapter First uh, Samuel twenty one through three, and David fled from Naoth and Ramah, and came before Jonathan. What have I done? What is my iniquity? In other words, what's wrong? What what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it to me. Why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David sware moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace, and in other words, that we're really good friends. And uh, he said, uh, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And then back over here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. When every time I read that, I think of people talking about the golden years. Oh, I can't wait to get to the golden years. You find out that, well, all the golden years, all the money you spend on medical bills, okay? Trying to maintain during the golden years, okay? And I've heard other things. And then it goes on, verse 2 is basically Solomon saying, well, it, it seems like that the storms of life as you age, and then it says later on in verse 3, it talks about people getting older in the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble. My joints ache. The strong men bow or bow themselves. The grinders cease because they are few. In other words, we're getting few and far between. And then it says, And those that look out of windows darken, talking about our eyes that get dim. Uh, I, you know, I think about all the things... Uh, Wear reading glasses. I have hearing aids, but I had hearing aids when I was five. So it was something I was born with, so that's not really a sign of age. Uh, but we all get those things. Uh, uh, I, I love the, the some of the signs uh, coming down. Things change as you get older. You're not able to do the things you once did. You know, when you're, you know, one through 20-something, 
man, you have all the strength in the world. Things are a lot easier physically. But as you get older, hopefully, you get wiser. It's kind of like uh, I was talking to Brother Darren last night, and he was talking about his back bothering him. I hope it's better this morning. And uh, Dr. Foster was helping him with some good tips and stuff because he's had back problems before, and some of you have also. But as we get older, we can't just reach and grab a 2,000-pound trailer anymore. Okay? Oh, you can. <laughs> You'll pay for it. <laughs> but uh, and then you think, well, I, you know, then you wait. I'm going to get the tractor to move that, or I'm going to get something else to move that, or this or that. Well, and then I think about that scripture, there's but a step between me and death. Uh, Brother Adrian and I were looking at, uh, uh, he's my preacher buddy, we've hopefully kind of got everything penciled in for our summer trip this year. And uh, there's a ton of, and he enjoy, and I've kind of got into hiking and mountain climbing, non-technical mountain climbing. And uh, kind of got a hankering. I, I really enjoyed it. We went out to Texas, climbed the highest mountain out there. On a hiking, you know, it's just 8,000 feet. So not real high. Got up there and climbed that joker two years ago. Really neat. Well, this summer, we're going to tackle the highest one in Colorado, which is Mount Elbert. There's Mount, the two highest are right beside each other, Mount Elbert and Mount Massive. There's uh, several peaks. You can go to fortainers.com. Uh, spell that out, and uh, the has all the peaks that are over 14,000 feet. There's one place up there climbing up, and I've got a really good picture, and I've got to frame it, and I've got all the rocks from the top of the mountain that you're not supposed to bring back. <laughs> and uh, so and I stuffed in my backpack with my water pack. And uh, But anyway, uh, 14,500 and some odd feet is Mount Elbert. And uh, there's only one mountain over 14,000 feet that you can drive up to the top. And, of course, Pikes Peak, very famous mountain. And uh, never been up there, but the Norman was telling me about running after a hat while he was up there and getting out of breath. And there's one particular path where you're walking along there, and it's only three feet wide, but it's 2,000 feet to the right. And I got a really nice picture of me just kind of like, Leaning out, looking, Adrian's taking the picture, and I did the same for him. And, I, you know, that's just crazy, you know? And just, uh, you're out there. Some people don't like heights. I love heights. And uh, But you're talking about it. That's literally a step between me and death. You know, David said it figuratively because of what was going on between him and Jonathan's dad, Saul's trying to kill him. <laughs> and all the things going on in David's life. But have, have you ever thought about this? And I think about even from uh, talking about Max earlier. It doesn't matter whether you're 3, 30, or 93. There is but a step between all of us and death. Now, you don't have to have heart problems or some of... Uh, how many people in our church have been affected by cancer? You see what I mean? You don't even have to have any of that. There is but a step. I think it was uh, Brother Dale and I were talking about, uh, and I, don't, I can't remember who he said he was talking about, but he said every time, was it you and I talking about every time we meet a truck? He said every time you meet a vehicle on the road, there's about eight feet between you and death. 
every time you meet a vehicle, wherever what the distance is, every time. I mean, just one of and with everybody, you know, hopefully not texting and driving. I've seen some people. <laughs> it looks like they were drunk, but they were just messing with their cell phones while they were driving. Going all over the road. And just think, you're gonna, you meet people that are doing that all the time, unfortunately. Which rings true with the title of my sermon, The Brevity of Life. And what did David say? There is but a step between me and death. Um, I was uh, visiting with... Uh, um, Robert up at the uh, M&M Tire, you know, Frankie's brother passed away and went to the uh, visitation service and and uh, talking about Charles Martin and and I was talking to Robert who was, I didn't realize was Frankie's ex-father-in-law and there's so many connections in Ashley County I'll never get them all straight. But uh, my goodness, and then and he was saying, well, and he told me, he said, I said, Brother Michael, I was talking about the church van, the air conditioning being out and taking it up there to uh, get it worked on and whatnot. And he said, well, preacher, that's your job is to get us ready to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. That, that is my job. I'm getting you ready. Hopefully you're already, not to go right now, <laughs> but you're ready, as they say, I'm ready to go to heaven, but not right now. You know, it's kind of like that preacher was saying, how many of you are ready to go to heaven? You know, and everybody raised their hand except one little boy. And he said, why not? Well, well are we going right now? <laughs> and uh, that's what the one little boy thought. And that, that old saying, but that's true. And all of, we're talking about eternity. You know, we're talking about Karen's birthday and, and we've all had birthdays. And many of us have had a lot, lot of birthdays and this and that. But folks, your birthdays will soon be over. You're going to celebrate your last birthday eventually. And I'm talking about your physical birthday. So the brevity of life is serious. But did you know that you can celebrate your spiritual birthday forever? The day that you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. When you came, when you were saved. Uh, let's look quickly at some of these other scriptures. The brevity of life. Let's see what James says and and basically just trying to lay out the reality to you this morning under this first point that there is but a step between us and death. <clears throat> We're already, I didn't realize, I was looking at online, and uh, Adrian and I said, before we were 50, tackling the highest peak in North America, Mount McKinley, I didn't realize its real name is Denali. And if you, uh, like uh, somebody in our church got a Denali car, and it means the great one. It's an Indian word for the great one. And uh, Mount McKinley, named after a president, but his real name is Denali. You can, without any technical climbing, go hike to the top of that place, 20,000 feet. Uh, you have to look out for frostbite and crevices. Okay. My, uh, James chapter 4 and verse 14 it says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. 
It seems like yesterday I was in high school. It seems like yesterday I was in my 20s. It seems like yesterday I was in my 30s. It seems... How many of us have said that? Just blink. Boom. Life just flies by. Where did it go? Now, here is the challenge that I have left for you. What are you going to do with the rest of the time that you have? What are you going to do with what? But you don't know, do you? The challenge is, is to give every day to God. Did you know, say, well, i got to work at the mill. <laughs> well, did you know the Bible says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Can you, I challenge, just think about this simple statement, and this seems so simple, it'll go over your head, just choo, and uh, can you be a Christian at work? See what I mean? You Can you be a Christian at work? Or would it be too embarrassing? Would it be too embarrassing? It's kind of be, you know, you you have peer pressure at school. How you, what you wear. People, I mean, it's, there's so much peer pressure. What shoes do you have on? What are you wearing? How's your hair fixed? All of these things. What kind of car do you drive? And then finally, you will. Some people never outgrow that. They're that away. They're trying to keep up with everybody and please everybody till the day they die. But it's all about pleasing God. It's not even about pleasing yourself. Life's not about you. Life's about pleasing the Lord. And you reach to a point, I don't care what... I mean, do will you ever reach a point in your life where you say, I don't care what people think, I care what God thinks. Because we are going to stay or spend eternity somewhere. Where are we going to spend eternity? <clears throat> Well, the next point is the surety of death. We're all going to die. We will face death. Hebrews 9.27, it says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but we leave off the next part. And after this, the judgment. There is judgment to come. Romans 14.10 and also 2 Corinthians 5 talk about our judgment. I'm going to quickly find both of those. Go with me there. 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 14. Exercise your Bible. I love hearing those pages turn. The Bible says in Romans 14:10, "But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ." He goes on to say, as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord. This is a quote out of Isaiah. Every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You're, even if you're saved, you're going to be judged. You say, for what? 
how you've lived since you've been saved. Before I read 2 Corinthians 5, you know, straight out of the Word of God, I'm telling you, there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be, uh, let's see, who was it? I ble- yes, it, it was last night. We were, uh, I was talking to Tristan, and it came up about uh, who's going to be raised. Did you know every single person that's ever lived is going to be raised up or resurrected? There's two resurrections. Resurrection of saved and the resurrection of the lost. That means you're going to have a body, some type of body. Now, if you're going to heaven, you're going to have what's called a glorified body. How do we know this? Well, the Bible tells us we'll have a body like Jesus. Not exactly like it. I don't think we'll have the scars. But it'll be very, very similar. Okay, He definitely has the scars in his glorified body because they've been seen. And even commented on the word of God. Now what kind of body will lost people have? Well I'll tell you. The Bible doesn't give us explicit details. But it does describe the type of body that people will have that are eternally lost. It says a body that will burn but not burn up. A body that will be eternally consumed. As Jesus says. They'll have teeth, and where the worm dieth not, that speaks of eternal corruption. Imagine rotting but never finishing. That sounds gross. Jesus wasn't, I don't think he was holding back words. I'll just stop at what Jesus said. Where the worm dieth not, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, so we'll have eyes, we'll have tears that'll never stop. That's what kind of body will people in hell have? Oh, by the way, did you know that the people that are in hell right now aren't in the final place? There is a place where everybody is going that's lost. It's called the lake of fire. Nobody's there yet. But I do know whom the Bible says will be the first two there. It says in the book of Revelation that the Antichrist and the false prophet are cast alive into the lake of fire before the, res- the resurrection of the lost. Now, why do I say all this? Because basically, the Bible's very clear. It sounds like it's a big, complicated thing. Everybody that lives is going to be resurrected. Everybody that lives is going to be judged. And there's two judgments, and there's two places to live for eternity. Heaven and hell. And two judgments. One for the saved, one for the lost. What's the one for the saved called? The judgment seat of Christ. I've just read you that. Now, the one over in 2 Corinthians that I hit on in just a second tells about it too. And then, of course, the resurrection of the lost, great white throne judgment. That's in Revelation chapter 20. Okay? Why have a judgment? Well, all he's going to do, he's going to hold open the book. He's going to say, your name's not there. What name? Your name. In what book? The Lamb's Book of Life. Okay? Now, what about after you get saved? You're going to heaven and you can't lose it, right? That's right. Why have a judgment after you're saved? What is it for? Well, number one, nowhere in the Bible does it say that the judgment seat of Christ for the saved will be a fun time. But I think it will be showing 
what you could have done and should have done, and also rewards will be given. Now, different people defer on the timing of it all, but that doesn't matter. I know what's going to happen. You see what I mean? It just When it's going to happen is up to the Lord. How it's going to happen, he's pretty clear about. And nowhere does it say, nowhere, you can't prove me wrong, you can try, but you can't. Nowhere does it say the judgment seat of Christ is going to be enjoyable. Now, it does say people in heaven now are comforted. That's all. I mean, that's it. That's all I mean. You can go and try to dig out some more. That's true. And praise the Lord. Jesus is there. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, that's another great comfort. Your loved ones that you know are saved, where are they? They're with the Lord. The Bible tells us, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that, they're with him. I love to know that, and I'm so glad God made that clear to us. I have some friends and loved ones that I don't think were saved. That is a thought that many people don't like to think about. At a funeral, you don't hear that preached. I've never said it. I've tried to be, too, I'm just, I try to be nice. Oh, don't you know that so, so-and-so laying here, they're burning in hell right now. You don't hear many preachers say that, do you? Does, it, does that mean it doesn't occur? You see what I mean? Well, just we all get a default pass into heaven. We don't like to think about that. Jehovah's Witnesses uh, didn't want to, you know, uh, Charles Taze Russell, the founder of that uh, organization, he didn't like the thought of that, so he just made death or hell annihilation. They believe that you just, poof, you burn up, so poof, you're gone. And then if you're part of the elect, you go in to the eternal earth and all that. But, so what is this about? Now, y'all know me, I'm not going to keep you that much longer. Surely you know me by now. Listen, what two things, what, a, what few things can you remember when you leave this room? Number one, life is short. Number two, we're all going to die. Number three, I don't care who you are, we're all going to be judged. Can y'all, y'all can, y'all can grasp that, can't you? Now the decision is up to you as to where and how you're going to spend your eternity. Most of you have probably already made that decision. I pray that you have. It's not hard. It's not difficult. And again, the scripture that I talked about in John, you must be born again. Now, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, I preached a sermon one time entitled this, The Unanswerable Question. This is a question that none of you can answer. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Or you can answer it, but there's no way to avoid it. Hebrews 2.3 says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The unanswerable question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Well... Another last certainty, <clears throat> and I would like to 
read uh, Matthew's account of this, and that is the certainty of the rapture. Death is certain, judgment is certain, and the return of Jesus. The first Corinthian scripture just tells us that it's going to be in the blink of an eye. And that is the title of the message. In the blink of an eye, life is going by, and guess how Jesus Christ is coming again? In the blink of an eye. He's coming back quick. But Matthew's scripture sums it up this way. Folks, the word of God is more powerful than anything I could ever speak. Listen to it. Matthew twenty four thirty eight. <clears throat> for as in the days of for as in those days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Listen to this. Probably the most vivid description of the rapture in the entire Bible. Two shall be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. There's going to be a rapture. I think that flood that happened on this earth. You know, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but when God broke up that, the judgment happened so fast and so sudden. Most people were probably... Perished. They probably perished within the first hour. But it took those 40 days and 40 nights because it was so violent. I mean, huge crevices carved out in our planet because of this violent eruption of water. And everybody died except for eight souls. Everybody, listen to this. You know, we talk about, people talk about all the... uh, the gene pool and every facet, every gene, every molecule that's alive today, six, six, seven billion people, every one it is, came from eight, who eventually came from two. But it was all there. All the genetic material necessary for all these nationalities came from eight people. That's cool. But I hate that it had to come to that. God was tore up by the way people were living. The Bible says he's tore up again. One day he says, okay, that's it. I think about it. Did you know there's going to be a last person born? You ever thought about that? There's going to be a last person born. I wonder what decision they'll make. What decision have you made as we prepare for a hymn of invitation? Would you bow with me for a word of prayer, please? Father, I pray that you'll just help us to realize that life is short. It's just flying by. We're all going to leave this world. And we only have so many days left to live. Father, help us to cherish our days. Your word says to to count it as a gift from you. You are the giver of true gifts and the ultimate gift is salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. He lived 
and died a perfect life, died a perfect death, so we could claim that perfect promise. Father, I pray that you would help us to turn to him, to live for you, and not just be people who say that we love the Lord, but that we actually live like it. And there's a change in our hearts and in our lives. Father, thank you for those that are, that are just trying to make a difference at, on their job site, in their work, just trying to live a godly life, a Christ-like life. Even though it's hard, it's hard to be a Christian in today's world. And Father, I pray that we would depend on you and lean on you. In Jesus' name, amen. We all stand and turn to page number. Hymn number 266. Careless, oh, why will you linger wandering from? 